Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Twinvestigation. I'm Katiri, here with my twin brother, Jonah. And this is a special episode today. We are going to be looking back on our first year of doing this podcast, a sort of year in review reflection. And we realized that we had been doing these now 16 episodes, kind of two seasons on this whole wide range of topics that have been resonating in our lives and changing for us as we've gone along with them. And uh, we wanted to just revisit some of them and talk about what is still sticking with us, things that we might've learned or shifted around, and also just get a little nostalgic about how we began this podcast and where we are now. So Jonah, I'm going to throw it over to you. We're switching up our our format for today, but we'll just be in dialogue and would love for you to start with just talking a little bit about what inspired you to start to investigation in the first place. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny when you just said where we started and where we are now, that's something a podcast that has really boomed or something might say, but I think for us, it's been the, the beauty of it has just been like the small connections and the small community we've been able to build around it. So it does feel in many ways like that there is a massive difference between doing something and not doing something, regardless of what emerges from it. So I think that that's my first reaction to what you mentioned there. But I think, yeah, it was, I guess, last summer wasn't really a COVID project, I would say, because we, we had plenty of things on our plate. But I just thought it was something I'd been thinking about for a while for a little bit in college, we we wrote an article together, an ultimate related article and did some back and forth there in written form. And I thought that was really cool. And I've been thinking that maybe we could do something like that a little more regularly. Um, but it seemed much more natural to to speak than to write. Um, and I knew you'd, you'd kick my ass on the writing front. So I needed at least a chance to keep up. So I figured a podcast might do the trick. So I had the element of surprise. Yeah, um, you're, you're a fast talker. <laughs> so yeah, I think that that was the impetus. And then I don't, I wouldn't say you needed convincing to get going, but at least a, a little push. The, I think the kind of public facing side of, of our thinking was a little more comfortable and natural for me right off the bat and had to nudge you into that. But um, it was just really exciting to, to get rolling back last, last September on our uh, fantasy sports episode. Cringy to go back and listen to it as, as I did a little bit this past week. Oh no, I have not listened to it, but my memory of that episode is very rose colored. I thought it was awesome, but I definitely did need a little bit of nudging to get into doing this. I think like I was at a time in my life and still sort of feel at a time where I'm more hesitant to be putting myself out there, which has not always been true, but I was much more like eager to just be doing that maybe in like high school and college and then started getting more self-conscious. I was just reflecting before we started recording that I still get anxious before every, mm-hmm. every episode, which is funny. Cause like, it's basically just our grandmas who listen. So it's like just talking on the phone with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways. but it still is sort of a, um, it's sort of a push for me. And I think also this will probably come up later, but you know, you and I, it's not like we would normally spend an hour every week or two talking about things. Like it was sort of new for us to be uh, like getting, getting that regular in our communication and the things we were talking about. I had no idea like what topics will Jonah bring, mm-hmm. but I could have 
I could have probably guessed some of them, but um, it was sort of this like uncertainty around like, what is this going to be like, you know, are we, how's this going to go? So, yeah. Yeah. The topics were some of the, the first thing we talked about when we were unsure whether to get going, like, what would we talk about? So I think let's, let's dive into a few of them. Um, I think we can circle back around maybe towards the end about some of our meta reflections about the process in general. Um, I think some of the, the questions we can talk about are most relevant episodes recently episodes. Maybe we've changed our minds about, or uh, alternatively thumb things we'd like to revisit or just go deeper in. So just kind of big picture, some broad strokes, the things that stand out that you've taught me about over the last 16 episodes. Uh, we started with lawns going through Halloween. Kodak was awesome. Catholic worker. We'll certainly talk about at some point. Um, rights of a river was amazing. Thinking about um, some of the, nature side of things. And then more recently, we've talked about sleep, hundred year floods. I can't get out of my head. And most recently the impossible burger. So you've certainly covered some ground. Yeah. Oh man. Thanks for that review. And yours, uh, we started off with fantasy sports still ringing very resonantly in my life. And then, um, you talked about the hazards of hybrid and time that was a pretty big one episode five we just really mm-hmm. got into it um and then cold water we talked about probability and the odds looking and leaping which was on optimal stopping theory um we talked about uh daniel tamit is that his name exactly okay uh still remember that one and and then the most recent one you did, which was on intermediate disturbance hypothesis and the things that are hard for us. Yeah. I, I really love watching the way that yours have developed. And it's been so many of these like amazing big picture conceptual things, but that still have so much day-to-day relevance. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. Well, let's talk about it. So I'll, I'll kick it to you first. What's an episode that has been relevant to you recently? Actually, the one that first came to mind, which was sort of surprising to me, was the Time Flies one. Mm. Um, I mean, I think maybe that's actually uh, part of why that might be is that we're doing this year in review. But um, the years do feel like they're going faster, truly. I I, Mm. Even like when we were doing that episode, I think the way that my conception of time um, is now, it has changed from then. Um, And I think COVID has something to do with that. I think like the fall always gets me super nostalgic. And Mm. so time has been like, I've been revisiting sort of the, like the nonlinear experience of time. And there's a few other episodes that I feel like time kind of played into, like um, even like this, I I forgot that that was the first episode where circadian rhythm came up. And so that like tied back into uh, the sleep episode. And then in terms of like looking and leaping, like, as we're getting older, how does the way we make decisions change? Um, so, and I think in general, like that that episode, I really liked the way that it set up um, these questions around like, what is it we're told by society is happening? And then what are we actually experiencing and how there's sometimes like a tension there. So yeah, I'm still feeling very alive for me. Oh, awesome. Oh, I see a tie in there to one of yours with the the shifting baseline theory and the way you mentioned there about how our memories or how our perceptions 
can change over over time. And that that seems really relevant to what you mentioned about hundred year floods and how we're constantly like re-updating our um, perceptions of, of what's normal. So that seems like a, an interesting tie-in too. Yeah. True. And of course the Halloween episode is the sound episode uh, is feeling relevant for me as well as we are a one week away um, and approaching this like moment where the veils are thinning. So that's feeling real. Oh, how, I how forgot about, about that phrase. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> that was such a good one. Yeah. Thinking about how these, these holidays celebrating death are, are thinning the veils. Um, well, I'm glad you said that one. That that's exactly what jumps out to me as, as relevant most recently. I don't know if it's necessarily the, the timing with Halloween, I suppose to some extent it is. Um, in fact, I'm watching Over the Garden Wall tonight with some friends. We used two songs and referenced that that show during our episode, all about death and purgatory. Spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Check it out. Um, but yeah, I think for me, the reason that's been relevant recently is just kind of thinking about death and how I th- thought about it then and how we talked about it then. I felt like a lot of it was to some extent about the people who had died and maybe what they're experiencing or honoring this legacy or this tradition of people who had died. I think two things recently have come up. Actually, they happened on the same day. There was a Sam Harris podcast episode where he goes into some of the, like the metaphysics of death and kind of merging consciousness science with what death means. And that very same day in class, I sort of stumbled upon two of my ninth graders one of them saying something about like, I just really hope death isn't eternal darkness. And the other one saying, it's not eternal darkness, it's nothing. And <laughs> they were saying like so many of the same things that like a, a consciousness scientist was saying. And I've been thinking a lot about that recently that I think I've, at least in the past year, but I think maybe in a longer process than that, have a pretty strong conviction now that the light that life ending is, is the lights going out, that it's, it's not like anything to be dead. It's to ask what it's like after being dead would be like asking, what was it like for you before you were born? And mm. like the, the question should make similarly no sense. And I feel stronger <laughs> in that conviction. So I think as I've been revisiting some of these uh, topics around Halloween and about contact with the death, like trying to really center those experiences around the people who are alive experiencing mm. those things because there's nothing to experience once you're dead. Um, so I think that's been like a slight shift in my frame and that it still feels really important to me to do, do honoring, do remembering, but mm. like having it be for the people who are still here and not because I, I, I feel pretty strongly that there, there is nothing to, to do for the people who aren't. So that's, that's been really relevant recently. Yeah, that's cool. And it's a powerful time of year to be thinking about those things, of course. And some of the language, like I, I, I think we will, we fall differently on that, um, like our conception of that. But I mm-hmm. feel like part of the point of the, you, it doesn't even really matter, I guess, like when in some deep ways, when you're engaging with these traditions of like Samhain or, or Halloween or any other things related to death, because like there, there's so much about either way what it's doing for like the person who's actually doing it so yeah uh, or the, the people who are who are alive engaging in it so that's- yeah it feels like there's some intermediate disturbance going on there we're like there, there's a <laughs> middle ground to reach where either extreme of either thinking everything is meaningless after death or everything is infinitely important 
after death and we're just working toward that like both of those extremes feel like a a dangerous place to be be pushing yourself mentally totally Mm. yeah intermediate disturbance hypothesis i gotta say one of the lines that that you said in that episode that's still sticking with me is about like finding the right kind of hard like that you're the kind of person and I think I am, and maybe a lot of people are that like kind of seeks out like challenge and difficult situations. And the question for you has been like, what is the right kind of difficult for you? Like in that Mm -hmm. moment, that's been really resonant for sure. Cause there is, I mean, I think as I am getting older, I'm more and more realizing like, oh yeah, shit's just hard. (laughs) It's just like, there's, there's no experience that's really easy. And, um, and that like something being hard is not a reason to not do it but also it's not a reason to do it just because it's hard you know so yeah you like finding that kind of discernment that line really keeps going back to me Mm, that's awesome good to hear yeah so it sounds like i mean we those are mostly things where we potentially didn't have a whole ton of fertile thinking already and then like we're able to plant a seed and and kind of grow do you have any episodes that you feel like either at the time you felt strongly and now you feel differently or you felt ambivalent at the time and have have moved toward um, a more strongly held conviction Mm -hmm. i think the one that really is like the most obvious response to this is just the fantastic sports fantasy sports um which was the very first episode and I think like when I first found out that was your topic part of me was like oh my god what am I doing (laughs) is this really like we're just gonna talk about fantasy sports you know it was totally like it really broke a bubble for me in a way and I think that's part of my meta reflection on the podcast which is that like so much of the topics that we've covered, even the ones that I've chosen are not things that I would necessarily be talking about in the circles that I'm like normally running in. And to have you, it it was almost like too stereotypical or like too expected for like, of course, my like jockey twin brother is going to like pick fantasy sports to talk about. And I'm just going to have to like go along with it and, and be really interested. And that lasted for like one minute before I realized that it was incredibly interesting and that this was absolutely a conversation that I like wanted to be engaging in and learning from you about. So that was honestly a huge shift for me in like this meta way of how I was even engaging with this project of the podcast um, that has really fanned out into like so many other realms of my life in a way that I'm really grateful for. Um, But practically I am like, I watch football now, which is so funny to me. I know every time I feel like you would ironically post in the family group chat, but now it's like too consistent. It's like, wow, I think she's actually watching the Bills games. I've been serious every single time this season. Um, Yeah. I mean, last, like, it's kind of wild to look back at, it was a year from now or, you know, 13 months from now that we recorded that episode. And I was totally like, haha this is not relevant to my life at all making jokes about like when is football season and now like i'm aware of when the bills games are they had a bye yesterday i missed it um (laughs) i'm excited to watch the next game on halloween and i think like 
it's, it's a really, it's cool to feel that shift because I think that, uh, that, that episode, it's not that it just like helped me see that there was like interesting social questions about sports, but it also just like broke some of the ice that I had had like built up around, like, what does it mean to be the kind of person who watches football and just be like, yeah, fuck it. You know, like it's fun. And it's a thing that our family does. Um, I'm here for that. So that's That's so interesting because it it feels like that was not the point of the episode. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm fascinated that it pushed you in that direction when most of what I was doing was saying like, was questioning my engagement with fantasy sports and my demographics engagement with fantasy sports in general. And you were like, Hey, that actually sounds kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't have a fantasy team, but yeah, you know, Maybe I will. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But I'm I'm also, I, before turning the question to you around which one you, maybe you've shifted around. I'm curious, like, are you doing a fantasy team this year? How has that like changed for you at all? Yeah. I've been, I've been struggling with this a little bit lately of just like being very aware of how easy it is to care about, the leagues I'm in and then how often it's a conversation topic at, at school with my colleagues and with some friends. Like it's just something that's so, so easy to waste mental energy and time on luckily not money on for me, but I, I can see how it'd be so quickly something that matters. And like, it's ridiculous to watch my moods rise and fall on Sundays with my fantasy points. It's yeah. truly like, I, I think that episode helped help me step back from that a little bit and at least see it. But in some ways, this this phase of the the project of, of self improvement is one of the most challenging ones, where you're aware of this <laughs> thing that you, you don't necessarily want to be a part of your life. Um, so yeah, still still playing. I got a soccer team and a football team, but again, I, I think I remind myself all the time, like, is this a way I can connect with someone at work who I wouldn't usually have much to talk about with? Make a joke with someone and stay in touch with my high school friends in the soccer league. So still still trying to find that balance. Mm, cool. And was there another episode that came to mind for you as one that you've like changed your mind about or your perspective? Yeah, I think it came up in the rights of a river episode where you talked about some of the historical and current uh, pushes to give natural entities legal rights. Um, this actually came up most recently on, on my all time favorite podcast, probably, which is stuff you should know. They recently did a, a mini episode on the rights of Lake Erie and were super sympathetic to the cause. They, they generally take a pretty moderate leaning liberal approach to a lot of topics. But, you know, so I, I saw this as potentially something when I saw the title where they might sort of turn their noses up at like, oh, rights of a river, how ridiculous. But both of them were totally on board and were like, yes, this is so so obvious that in the same way corporations are treated as as people and have legal status, we should do this with entities that are natural that can't protect themselves. Um, so it's been super. You think, they, you think they listened to our episode and we're just so convinced? Honestly, that's been happening with a few of my podcasts for a while. I was like, man, I just steal all my idea, ideas from other podcasts. But there were like three in a row where it went the other way around. So nice. I think so. Um, but I think what's, what's changed for me, one thing we talked about in that episode that I think we disagreed on a little bit. I think I, I made some points about human exceptionalism and the um, uniqueness of human consciousness in our natural world, potentially even in the universe and therefore like the sanctity of it. I think 
reflecting on that episode, um, some overstory stuff and, and listening to Richard Powers and a few other like thinkers on natural rights and, and consciousness science too have maybe pushed me a little bit away from that. And I think I've been rethinking some of the humanism and anthropocentrism and trying to wonder if it is, is indeed just a, a product of our, our limited scope of consciousness that we are, are bound to only acknowledge and recognize our form of intelligence. So mm-hmm. I think I've been more open lately to the fact that per- perhaps we're not as special or I'm willing to look more at evidence that shows how other things are potentially uniquely special and uniquely intelligent and conscious too. And mm-hmm. um, if, you know, the more you you are willing to accept those arguments, the more it feels like we should be protecting those things as well as we can. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. I mean, and not just because it's like moving more towards where I have been, but just that like it's caused more engaged and like critical thought for you around that. And also, I really have loved that the overstory has been passed around between a bunch of family members now. And that's been really nice. Just a way to to be connecting with with other people around that episode and um, and just like so much richness that's in that text, no matter where you land around it. No kidding. And I got to say, Richard Powers' latest book, Bewilderment, which I don't think you've read yet, but I'm, I'm halfway through. Like each new page is another episode idea for me. It's, it's oh, so shit. full of a lot of really interesting commentary on our place in the universe and empathy and consciousness. So episodes coming soon, surely to mention that one. I was going to get you a copy of that for Christmas if you didn't have it yet, but I'll find another one, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's one for me. I guess a, a similar question, maybe not something you've changed your mind on, but something you'd like to continue to change your mind on is if there are any episodes you either wish you could revisit because the first time you feel like you didn't do it justice, or if you just feel like there's something that you didn't get to go enough into anything you want to revisit. Yeah, Definitely. I think really soon after making the Kodak episode, which was episode six, the one that that was my um, pick. I felt like, I mean, kind of leading up to it, I felt like, oh, I didn't really do this one enough research justice. And then if you remember, um, Grandpa actually, shout out to Frank, he sent us an email right after saying that he really loved the episode, but then adding much more about just some of the history of like Kodak's racist hiring practices and some of the effects that Kodak had on uh, like the the neighborhoods around it, but then also some really cool organizing that happened um, in order to like get Kodak to to stop having those racist hiring practices by this kind of famous organizer, Saul Alinsky, which like I'd heard of him before and I just had no idea that that was connected to Kodak. And I think it was a helpful, um, reminder for me about like what it means for us to be doing research on to- on some topics that like we really don't know that much about and um kind of like the it it, it did give me these like bigger picture questions about how I'm doing research like if I'm just googling the thing like what is really going to come up is it going to mm-hmm. be uh just like some of the more mainstream takes on this topic how can I like dig deeper into these like kind of stickier questions maybe about something. Um, 
And I really liked our, our Kodak episode. And I think like you were kind of, I remember you saying at the beginning of the episode, like, Oh God, it's just going to ruin Eastman Kodak for me. And, mm-hmm, right. um, it, you know, George Eastman. And I think it didn't. And I really liked that we were able to hold it in a way that was more um, like generous of some of that legacy while acknowledging the complexities of it. But it was like such a, like, ah, man moment when I saw grandpa's email, I was like, this is actually so cool. There's like this really interesting history that because of the way that I was doing research on it, like didn't really get included at all. So mm-hmm. if we could go back, I would just like do an episode on Saul Alinsky and maybe that's upcoming, but, um, that, that, like, that was an, an important moment for me in realizing, um, or just thinking more about how I was doing research and what it meant to be two people who are not like experts in these topics, but also just having a conversation about them and kind of like the integrity that I want to uphold to the best of our ability when we do like bring a topic forward. So that was one. How about you? Is there an episode you'd like to revisit? Yeah, I think one that I've been thinking about is um, the third episode hazards of hybrid where we talked about some of the, potential effects of students in particular, but everyone at the time being on Zoom and being recorded and constantly living in a pseudo surveillance state that just became ubiquitous with the pandemic. So I think I've been thinking about that a lot recently of just certainly how much has changed since that episode and how nice it is to not have to do some of those things and to be off the screens, but also not wanting to forget some of what felt like really valuable mirrors and valuable windows that emerged during that time of like how crazy it was to just realize how often we were being watched mm-hmm. and how often we were watching others or watching ourselves, and what that might do to the psyche and what, what research shows that can do to the psyche. So I think how I've been thinking about that lately and, and what I'd like to learn more about something I worry a lot about is just like starting to try and keep up with the the literature about what that period of history has done to each different age cohort and and different like demographic cohorts, uh, because I still feel that that time it's like really problematic um, for a lot of schools. So I, I think I sort of did the episode and then kind of went on with life and we stopped being hybrid in school and it was like, okay, good. We're not on zoom as much anymore, but I think the, the downstream effects, particularly for, for young kids, like I really want to kind of keep some tabs on what can we show and and what do we learn over time about what it means for people to be on camera so much and for so much of our lives to be centered around performance of one way or another. Yeah. That's so real. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. Like now that things have changed for you a little bit. Um, and I would love to stay up to date on, on what research comes out as it's available, because I know it's going to take a long time to be able to figure out some of the actual effects, but I've been thinking about that one comes up for me every once in a while in terms of social media, like the effects of um, just having that kind of like performance m- mentality that I think um really came up through you know talking about like the Hawthorne effect I remember that uh that name and like the panopticon and stuff like that and then actually this is just sort of an aside that just came up another connection recently have you heard of the podcast 
Red Web? No. They're like, um, they study like internet, mis- not internet mysteries, but like mysteries that have kind of been like brought up through the internet. Like I'm sure they'll, okay. they have like a Dialog Pass one. They have stuff about awesome. like yeah. m- m- other mystery events, like all the classics, um, you know, like Roanoke and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But um, cool. Kyle and I have been listening to some of them in preparation for Halloween. And there was one episode, I forget what the actual topic was um oh it was about oh scary uh, but anyway um one of the the hosts was talking about like research that has come out around how easy it is to like plant cameras in rooms that are teeny tiny these days um and also just about like the surveillance kind of that comes through our phones mm-hmm. and it's so it's like in a different way i feel like there's just sort of this almost like everyday awareness of the possibility of being watched um and now that i've been thinking about it it's like it kind of freaks me out but also like so many of us have just kind of accepted the fact like oh my phone's probably listening to me or you know like things like that um that i think are much they're more related to the that hybrid um episode than we really got into like in the episode but it is totally prevalent through so many realms of our life right now like how do you yeah how do we um engage with that feeling of like being watched or listened to and how are we are so many of us just getting used to it now what does that mean yeah this this also came up in school the other day with a, a conversation I have, I have this one very like intellectual kind of heady class but so one of the things they were talking about was like truman show and whether it's possible they're all just the the centers of their own universe everyone else is just here for them and it was such an interesting like one of my reactions was like yeah you're on the Truman like literally all you do all day is like have other people see what you're doing and like care about what you're doing but then in another sense I was like oh but it's like the opposite of the tr- Truman show because no one cares like you're yeah. just spitting out uh, just like beaming your life to no one you're the Truman show with no viewers it's this horrible it's like the the infrastructure of the Truman show without the the viewers to to care so it yeah. was interesting to hear, hear teenagers kind of like struggle with some of that that same um uncertainty about when we're being watched and who's watching and why it matters well i bet um also i just want to add in terms of the episodes to revisit that something an episode that i think that we could have even gone deeper into and that i've been thinking about more is the Daniel Tammet, um, which was episode 13, Embracing the Wide Sky. And I think like it just brought up so much. Like we were focused on him and his life, but these questions about like how do different people's minds work? Um, yes. So, like relating to what you're just saying, you know, like there is a lot of the kind of Truman Show F model of like everyone growing up thinking they're kind of like the center of the universe. And, um, I think like this question around how do like how how do we even understand how other people's minds are different than ours and how do we come to not assume that like the way that we think is like the normative way or that it's like the even the right way um I just think that's so like relevant to that and so cool it's really helped me um in in my like different relationships to just keep remembering like there's so many different ways that our minds are structured truly like each each one is a totally individual mind and yeah um, yeah. the more that we can be like holding that 
as a central understanding of things, like the easier it will be to relate to people. <laughs> so I'm appreciative of that one. Thank you for that, that callback too. Yeah. I've been thinking so much about neuroatypicality and even just the concept of neurotypicality, maybe to go down to the root level, um, comes yeah. up a lot in bewilderment, but I think, yeah, we're with the students I work with too. And just the more I learn about brain science and consciousness and perception, how it is, you know, we're, we're trapped with, with one first person perspective and a, a lot of what we've learned in history is that the, the people who make the changes are the ones who weren't thinking like everyone else. And yeah. I, it makes me wonder how we as a society are structured to treat uh, what we see as atypical perception. So yeah, yeah. fascinating. Richard Powers had some really interesting commentary on uh, Greta Thunberg and some of mm how that relates to some of the characters he's created who um, see the world differently and, and therefore are the ones who are willing to act. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's such a, that, that idea is like so relevant. I feel like in a lot of the, the episodes that we've done, like coming back to this question of, like I said at the beginning, like how is society um, structuring things and how does or doesn't that end up like overlaying with how, we like naturally are as just like creatures and beings and there's so much of this push towards normative and um like homogenization you know like we all should go to sleep at the same time we all should mm -hmm. sleep for the same amount of time we all should experience time the same way and like a lot of it does end up coming back to this thing about like actually we're all like really wildly different and how do we like keep making room for those differences even as we're trying to hold like community and and structure in society. Yeah, that's a good way to sum up a lot of what we've talked about. That's awesome. Uh, I'm curious, like coming back around maybe to some of the, the meta reflection about the project we've been embarking on. I think it's funny, at, at no point have we really had a grand plan and we've just <laughs> been kind of throwing episodes at, at the wall. And it's funny, particularly because of the the mystery element of our topic choosing that we, we don't consult each other. And I don't know about you, but I, I rarely consult anyone. I, I sort of just pick something based on what mm -hmm. I've been doing. So um, I'm curious how that process has been for you and whether we've been sort of like in on this process of, of convergence just by going episode by episode, or if that's affected your, your thinking at all. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think at the beginning, especially, I was consciously trying to push myself to pick topics that I wouldn't have normally studied or maybe things that like I would be interested in, but weren't like explicitly political, for example, because that's been a big part of my life in the last few years. And I think that that actually started like that was more conscious at the beginning. But I think as time went on, that just started to come more naturally and organically to me, um, like the impossible burger, <laughs> you know, the most recent topic that I did. Um, it, yeah, there's definitely political and social implications, but that's not really why I picked it. And it was just sort of like growing organically out of that, like desire in my life. Um, which is, I agree. I didn't like really consult with many people either. There were times when I wanted to run things by you, but it was probably good like challenge to just not and just trust my gut on it. Um, and I think like there, after the few that you did in a row that were like super conceptual, I was like, should, you know, 
trying to think like, are there like more conceptual things that I would want to be doing and kind of like having some questions about like, Oh, is that sort of the direction that we should be going in? But um, I I liked that we had this kind of like back and forth effect where it was like, you do like time and I would just do like the Catholic worker movement um, and you do probability and I would do like, I don't know, sleep habits. Um, And I think that that, held a nice balance that I have sort of just like flowed into, but no, very little like conscious plan on my end for sure. Also, I will, I will say that, um, in terms of like a pattern that might've emerged from mine, I definitely found my, myself, my interests like trending towards this stuff around like environmental or like earth Mm -hmm. and climate. And there were a couple of times when I, yeah, when I like wanted to do even more and then was like, oh no, I should probably like switch it up. So what about you? Like I, I know there's been some trends, but how's your process been or how do you reflect back on it now? I think I always wanted things that were like personally relevant. You know, I think early on it was like things that were happening in school because that was such a big part of life. I feel I feel like at times I felt like I imagine comedians must always feel like where they're always looking for like, could this be a story? Like, could this be a joke? (laughs) And that, that was, you know, I wasn't thinking about the podcast constantly or anything. We were doing it rare enough, but when I'd be like, Oh, I got to figure out what I'm doing in the next day or two, I'd sort of be very aware or I'd try to be aware when something would happen, maybe do a quick Google and be like, Oh no, dead end. Or like, Oh, maybe I can tie that in or something. And I think interestingly that like, some of the experience I had, we talked about quite a bit in our, or what are the odds discussion of um, finding meaning and finding coincidence that one of my huge takeaways from this project that we've been doing is just like having something to talk about, to think about, to research, to care about creates meaning in so many synergistic ways and like mm-hmm. the number of small little conversations I've had with other people or ways I've seen our episodes play out in line, like things that feel like coincidences as we talked about mm-hmm. on that show are just because like we were willing to take the risk and, and care about things or took the time, you know, sometimes not much of a risk, but to even just take the time to build the structures that forced us to care about something creates yeah. all these roots that start spreading and all these touch points that can emerge. So it's awesome to think of each episode as like this opportunity that continues to kind of grow. Um, It's really cool. It's something I think a lot of content producers I'm sure are familiar with, but it also feels like pretty analogous to what we do in our lives with like a particular friendship or conversations that you can choose to have that you might not otherwise have had. So I think in that sense, it feels like this awesome each episode is a, is a little tendril that um, who knows where it's going, but it creates some yeah. some awesome complexity down the road. Totally. Even if it, even if it only spreads out through our lives, uh, that's definitely already the case. So I very much, I feel that. And re- relating to what you just said about like, I don't know about other content producers. I think we've, this has come up a little bit off air, but I would love to hear like how doing this podcast has changed or not the way that you listen to other podcasts and like what your relationship with that, like the podcast world in general has been like since doing this. Yeah. It's changed it a lot. I think it's made me more interested um, and interested in finding ones that 
I feel like are, are genuine. I've like had a really hard time recently with overproduced podcasts. Like I think there's a place for them, but a lot of the ones with like all these quick cuts of audio and like this perfectly like studio built story. I think I've found myself much more interested in hearing conversation. And I think some of that comes from knowing what you can do with a audio track in mm-hmm. an editing program. And I know we've said that to some of our relatives or siblings who've been like, Oh, wow. It's like so smooth and cohesive. And it's like, yeah, sometimes I cut out ums. Sometimes like we cut that the mistakes we had. So I think my ear is much more discerning when I'm listening to podcasts. I can tell when someone, when the track was cut now, but I think more importantly, I, I just think a little bit more about like the authenticity of the exchanges that I'm engaging with when I'm watching a movie or a podcast. I've never really been someone to like analyze the the content I consume in that sense. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really helped me like, yeah, try and just look for the things that show me that people are, are doing and talking about things I care about in the ways I think are important to do them. How about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts and it's kind of actually rare, like this red web podcast we've listened to, like I've listened to maybe like 10 episodes of it. And that's probably the most of my podcasts in the last few months, just kind of bopping around. I listen to stuff you send me, but I don't do a lot of driving these days. And that's where I would normally listen yeah. to a podcast. So, um, but I do think I agree. I have more of a, at least an ear for this, the question around authenticity and, like what goes into the production of a podcast. And I think like it, it's helpful to have one and, and realize that like basically anyone can have one at this point. And that helps yeah. put things in perspective too. Like we're just, sometimes we're just talking out of our asses here. We did the best with our research, but um, it's just, it's, it's the beauty of having such a democratized um, like list listening platform, but also just keeping in mind, like, there's plenty of people who could just be saying a ton of different stuff and sort of just imagining a lot of it other than the ones that have like experts on as just like talking to peers or friends. Um, and I think it's given me respect for people who are doing this like professionally and with huge listener bases. Like even though we don't do that much cutting Occasionally we do um, when there's something like that I feel embarrassed about having said or, you know, that like feels like, oh, a clunky moment. And I definitely like for people, especially ones who do keep the unedited versions, you know, like Krista Tippett, like you can listen to every one of her podcasts um, unedited. And I think I used to be more judgmental around some of those things. Like, I mean, I've... (laughs) I've been vocal in my critique of on um, being, even though I love it, but just like sometimes getting annoyed with Krista Tippett and the way that she's interacting. But I have not felt anything like that since doing our podcast because it's Funny. like, oh, it's so it's so brave. She's just going in there so vulnerably. It's so hard knowing that even like 10 people might listen to this episode mm-hmm. and I don't know who they are, much less an international like, you know, like thousands of, of people network. So definitely respect and uh and inspiration for like continuing to bring as much vulnerability and authenticity as we can to our limited listening base yeah well when we talk about how 
we feel self-conscious during some of our podcasts. I think we got to mention time, particularly as I look at my watch right now. And I think sometimes we're both embarrassed by our, our audacity to think that we de- deserve any amount of the 50 minutes we're taking up of this episode of people's days. So mm-hmm. I certainly start to feel that every episode where I'm like, Oh my God, uh, what are we doing? It's like been 35 minutes. Like, uh, yeah, it, it just feels bold to think that our voices are, are worthwhile. So I think it's nice when we're trying to direct people elsewhere because mm-hmm. it's something we both struggle with. Um, so I, I appreciate all, all of those people who have given us some reminders that, Sometimes our episodes are worth listening to and think, you know, even if we press stop and deleted the episode, it still feels worth it. So it's been really nice to not feel like we're doing things for people or trying to convince people that their time is best spent listening to us. Um, In fact, I think the majority of the time we spend thinking about these episodes is not in talking during our, our brief recordings, but in the kind of the listening and the following up after. So I, I always want to keep that. The majority of the project is letting this be the starting point for the things that happen off air. True, true. And like for better and worse, the, yeah, we're, we sort of, I think started this podcast with our own growth and like connections in mind. And so there's other things that come out of that that's a bonus but um you know it's like always valuable to me and that's i appreciate that yeah absolutely well i'm looking forward to more episodes i know we don't have a firm plan in place we've been letting the breeze take us and it's been moving us through 16 different episodes covering all sorts of ground i think more to come this winter and i'm really looking forward to it me too do we have time for for you to share like any final meta reflection on you know like how how doing this has shifted um or expanded your way of just showing up in the world i think just the power of of talking about things i've always been someone who like studied alone wrote alone thought alone and like enjoyed being around other people but haven't always been someone who like would, would want or who would even expect that um, conversation would be the most fertile soil for like intellectual growth or emotional growth. So I think doing this certainly um, directly with you and with the other people in my life has been just a fantastic and pretty uh, constant reminder that that's a really healthy way to, to mm. grow. Mm. Do you mean any close, closing thoughts or words? Well, I'm really glad that you proposed it. I'm so glad we did it. I think I, I honestly can't really reiterate enough how, how like grateful I am to just have had like it only takes like one really good um, I don't know like paradigm shift to just like ripple out so much in your life, and this has definitely been that like help for me, and it had really came at a really good time for me. Um, I feel like I have so much more like openness and just like instinctive curiosity about a bunch of different things. Like the way that we sort of set up the format of this lead, like it just sort of asks us each to come with a spirit of curiosity because we don't know what the other one's even going to talk about. And it's not Mm. our job to make like moral conclusions about it. It's just to ask 
questions and maybe share things that are coming up for us. But I just have been really appreciative of that, like spirit with which the, and like posture with, with which the, the format has allowed for me in my life. And like, yeah, for, for other listeners, um, I definitely, if there's anyone like who has something that they're just really excited about sharing, uh, if you ever want to just like do a, like listen and learn conversation off the air, I think that'd be really fun. I just love learning from, from other people who have like interesting things to be thinking about. So yeah, I think so. Let's let's end with some appreciation for anyone who's who's listening. I think we both had so many good conversations and we lament so often that this feels one way with listeners. So yeah. we, we really appreciate the chances that we have when we, we can continue learning from other people in addition to from one another. So thank you to everyone who's hearing our voices. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jonah. I'm excited to see you soon in Rochester. And... I hope that everyone has a great rest of your day, week, wherever you're at. Thanks for listening. Ain't like most people, I'm no different. We love to talk on things we don't know about. Ain't it like most people, I'm no different. We love to talk on things we don't know about.